welcome. Uh, if you have children in kindergarten to third grade, they can uh, dismiss out the back for Children's Church. Um, and if they're older than that and would like, there's activities on the back table as well as the sermon notes uh, that follows along with the sermon today. Give me a second here to get settled. Well, we're so glad you joined us uh, today. Uh, we're in Daniel chapter 6, if you want to head that direction. Uh, but for the last couple of months, we've been in the midst of a series that we have titled Shining Like Stars in Babylon. And in this series, we have looked at the time period in history when God's people, the Israelites, were taken from their homeland as exiles and called to live out their faith in the foreign nation of Babylon, uh, which has now been conquered in this Medo-Persia. Uh, and we have seen God call his people in Jeremiah 29 to set down roots in this foreign land, to pray for this foreign land, and to seek the peace and prosperity of the people in this foreign land. And then throughout the book of Daniel, we have seen God again and again use the faithfulness of his followers to lead the people and leaders of this foreign nation to faith in him. We have seen God use his everyday faithful followers of himself to lead others to faith in him. And this is so pertinent to us today because the Bible says that we, as followers of Jesus, our citizenship lies in heaven, and yet we live out our lives here on earth as exiles until God calls us home. We, like the exiles in Babylon, are called to love, pray for, and seek the prosperity of our world, of our community. We are to shine and point the world to the only true hope and source of life, which is Jesus. So our purpose as followers of Jesus, our purpose, our call, no matter where we are, no matter what our job is, no matter what our age or status is, is to love God. We are to follow him with our lives, to love others and shine, share, and point them to Jesus. God's call on your life is to love him, love your neighbor, love your family, love your coworker, love your teammate, and point them to Jesus. God's plan for reaching Babylon with salvation and God's plan for reaching the lost today is faithful followers shining for him in their day-to-day -day lives. Our theme verse for this series has been Daniel 12, 3, which I love. It reads, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. What an incredible picture of our call and the impact our lives can have if we live with faith, purpose, and intentionality. So today we're going to wrap up this series in the second half of Daniel chapter 6 and what may be the most famous uh, story in the Old Testament. A couple of weeks ago we looked at the first half of the chapter and what we saw was that Daniel, who is now an 80-year-old man, is still well respected within the kingdom and he is still prospering. Daniel was one of the leaders of the Medo-Persian Empire and he was so great at his job that the king elevated him to essentially second in charge of the kingdom. Well, as you might imagine, some of the other leaders didn't take kindly to this, and they began to scheme to get rid of Daniel. Daniel, at this point, has 60 years of government service under his belt, so surely you would expect them to be able to dig up some dirt, but there's none to be found. Verse 4 of Daniel 6 says, They could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. What an amazing testimony of Daniel's faith, and what an amazing testimony to the difference you can make just by living and following God. All knew of Daniel's faith because of the way he lived. And so these men, they come up with a plan. They know that Daniel prays regularly to his God, and so they go to the king and they play on the king's pride. They say, oh, great king, you are so incredible and so amazing. And because of that, you should declare a law that no one should pray to any other person or God but you for 30 days. 
So when you sit down to eat, when you get up in the morning, when you realize you have a test the next day and you forgot to study, you can only pray to King Darius. Well, the king, he thinks this is a pretty great, so he signs this law into place. And once he signs it into law, it cannot be revoked even by the king himself. Daniel being Daniel, as we saw, he does what Daniel does. He goes and he prays just as he does every day. These men eagerly catch him and turn him over to the king. The king is heartbroken and angry at himself because he's been tricked into signing this law. The king does everything he can to revoke the law or to find a loophole, but none can be found. And so he's forced to follow through on the law and throw Daniel to the lions. Well, if you missed that sermon, I encourage you to go back. There's a lot there, and it's such a great challenge to us to turn to God when our faith is tested and trust our future to him. But for today, we're going to pick up in Daniel 6, verse 13. But before we do that, let me pray. Dear Lord, we thank you um, for the faithfulness of Daniel and for the, the model it presents for us to follow as we try to live out our faith for you, faith for you uh, in this world today. But more importantly, God, we thank you um, that in you, salvation is possible, new life is possible. Uh, God, we thank you that forgiveness is possible. And so, God, I pray that as we study Daniel chapter 6, that we would see Daniel's faith and that we would follow it. But more importantly, Lord, that we would see uh, Jesus and the life that is available in him to us today. And, God, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today might be the day that they trust you with their life. And, God, I pray that for, their, for, for everyone here, that no matter what they are walking through, the trial, the challenge, whatever their lion's den might be, Lord, we pray that you would give them peace you give them the courage to turn it over to you. God, we love you and we praise you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in Daniel chapter 6, verse 13. Then they said to the king, these people who are trying to catch Daniel, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king's issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So we touched on this last week, but the king here feels regret for his decision, but there is nothing he can do to retact the decree that he has put in place. He is the most powerful man in the world, and yet there is nothing he can do to help Daniel and to save his life. And so the king, who does not yet at least know Daniel's God, turns to God for help and for rescue. And what we see in this is the profound truth that what is impossible for man is possible with God. And that's our first point today. What is impossible for man is impossible for God. Now, this doesn't mean that God is a genie and he swoops in and saves us uh, in every difficult we face, but our God is not bound by the limitations of mankind. The king here ran out of answers and places to turn, so he turns to and trusts Daniel's God, uh, trust Daniel to God, and in this case, God does the impossible and he saves Daniel from the lions. What is impossible for man is possible for God. When a relationship seems too fractured to ever change, you can trust it to God knowing that he alone can save, restore, and heal. 
when a child or a friend or a family member seems too far gone to return home or to come to God. You can trust them to God. You can pray for them and you can read the countless stories of those who seem like people that were impossible to save, yet God has saved. The addiction might seem too great in your life or in the life of the one you love, but God alone can heal, save, and restore. The health crisis might seem impossible, but God alone is able to heal in this life. And through Jesus, we know he has already restored the health crisis in the next. With man, things may seem impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Again, he may not always answer our prayer the way we desire, but we can trust that he will accomplish his purposes and he is able. This past week in small group, we were in Psalm 62, which Melody read at the beginning of service. And David writes this psalm from a cave as his own son has rebelled against him and is trying to have him killed. I can't think of a worse situation than that. A situation that not only feels impossible as someone is trying to have you killed, but also tears out your heart as a father. His own son has mounted a rebellion and is trying to have him killed. But this is what David writes in the midst of that impossible situation. He says, truly, my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and I shall not be greatly moved. David here is to the point that he has nowhere to turn in his own power. And so he silently surrenders, silently waits for God to move and to rescue him from his situation. He's such a, back in such a corner that he recognizes that God alone is his defense, his rock, his salvation. And so he silently waits for God to move. What an incredible picture of faith in the midst of the impossible. Sometimes we call out and we pray for God to move, but we are also desperately trying to manipulate and solve a situation on our own. David has nowhere else to turn, so he silently trusted to God. King Darius has nowhere to turn. He can do nothing, and so he trusts Daniel's life, his fate to Daniel's God, who can do the impossible. And for some of you today, you are, an you are in an impossible situation. Today, you need to surrender and trust that situation to God. You need to cry out to God, this is impossible. I don't know where to turn. So God, I turn to you and I need your rescue. God, I don't know what to do, but I know that you are good. I know that you love me. I know that you desire what is best for me. I know that you hold my life in your hands. So God, I turn it over to you. As Peter says, you need a caster to throw your burdens, your situation into God's hands. And then silently rest in that and surrender it to him. You, like David, need to release the situation. You need to release the worry, the hurt, to stop frantically flailing and, and trying to solve the situation and trust it to God. Trusting in the character of God and trusting that he alone is able. So that's you. as you silently surrender that burden, that hurt, that trial over to God? And we know that God is worthy and that he can be trusted because we see this ultimately fulfilled in our salvation. The Bible says clearly that all have sinned including you and me. And we have sinned and we have done things that go against God that elevate ourselves above God and separate us from Him for eternity. God is holy. He is perfect. He is sinless. And so He cannot be in the presence of our sin. The Bible says there is no way for us to make ourselves right and holy before God. We can't do enough good to cover up our sin. For mankind, for you and I, it is impossible to earn our way to heaven and to make ourselves right with God. The Bible says it is impossible 
for man. Yet God in his love for us has made a way through Jesus. Jesus came and lived the sinless life we couldn't live, and he died the death that your sin and my sin deserved. He then rose victorious over death and offers that life to any that will surrender and follow after him. In Matthew 19, the disciples, they, they recognize, they have this moment where they recognize the inability of themselves and mankind to make themselves right before God. And so they ask Jesus the, this question. They say, Jesus, then who can be saved? How is it possible to be saved, to be forgiven, to inherit eternal life, to be right with God? And Jesus looks at them and says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God has provided and he has done the impossible and he has made a way for you and I to be saved. God has done the impossible in our lives when he saved us from our sin. And because of that, we can trust him in any and every situation in our life. We have experienced peace, forgiveness, righteousness, new life in him if we are his follower. He has already done the impossible in our life. Because of that, we can have faith to trust him with every situation we face today. And he offers that forgiveness, that salvation, that new life, that eternal life to any and all that will turn to him and trust him. He offers to do the impossible in the life of any person that will silently surrender and turn to him. With man, much of life is impossible. But the Bible tells us with God, it is possible. With man, salvation, eternal life is impossible. But with God, it is possible. And in that, we see that with God, not only are all things possible, but with God, peace is possible even in the midst of the impossible. God, through Jesus, has given peace in this life and in eternity. And it is that same peace that we see in Daniel's life as well as Dan David's life in the cave. Let's read on. Uh, so chapter 6, verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done anything, ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So our next point within this is that God offers peace even in the midst of the lion's den. I love the contrast in the picture we have here. The king was so worried about Daniel, was so disappointed and frustrated with himself that he turns away all of his entertainment for the night. He doesn't eat for the night. He tosses and turns all night. He, he had absolutely no peace as he worries about his friend who is spending the night with the lions. It's out of his hands, and there's no peace to be found. Have you ever had one of those nights where you just couldn't sleep? Sometimes it's because you're sick. Sometimes it's because you're worried about the next day. Either way, you can't fall asleep or stay asleep, and you're constantly checking the clock or looking out the window just hoping to see the sunrise. But then you finally see that first glimmer of sunrise, and you almost feel the burden or the stress release from your shoulders. That's the king. 
He sees the first glimmer of sun and he runs to the lion's den and he calls down, Daniel, has your God been able to rescue you? I wonder if Daniel maybe waited a second or two to respond just to kind of up the suspense. But he eventually says, King, I'm here. And we don't know the details about that night, but Daniel comes out without a scratch on him. We'll learn in a second. It wasn't because the lions were tame and not hungry, but it was because of God's presence and his protection in the lion's den. Again, we don't know the details of how the night played out, but it's safe to assume that that Daniel's night was much more peaceful than the night the king experienced. In the midst of the lion's den, Daniel had peace because he trusted his life, his future, his situation to God. In the same way, it's the peace of knowing God that allowed David to sit in a cave with his son, hunting him down. And silently say that he waited and trusted in God for rescue. With God, there is peace, and it is that same peace he offers to us today. When I was a kid, we spent um, a lot of time with my granddad. And my granddad had a small little farm, so we loved working with him. We loved riding in the truck. We loved going around and feeding the animals and just doing whatever he was doing. And my granddad had a, a little red S10 pickup. And on the back of that pickup, he had one of those ridiculously cheesy license plate covers that said, no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. You know where you spell the no differently, N-O at first, then it changes to K-N-O-W. And it was even better because my grandpa, he was a mess, and this was a farm truck, and it was just always, it was was a farm truck. It was always full of tools and just covered in mud. And for most of the time I can remember, the license plate cover was broken, and so it just said N-O Jesus, N-O peace. It didn't have the hope on the second half. And as much as I hate cheesy Christianese things like that, because the non-believing world doesn't need a license plate. They need a friend that loves them and cares for them and and shares the hope of Jesus with them. There is a lot of truth in that saying. There is a peace available with Jesus that is only possible in him. There is peace available in Jesus that makes us right and at peace with God for eternity. There is peace with God that surpasses even the most impossible of situations. When you know Jesus, there is peace that surpasses all circumstances, Paul says. It doesn't mean that the situations are easy, but there is peace available even in the most difficult of situations. There is assurance of the future of your eternity in Jesus in all circumstances. There is assurance when you know Jesus that God is with you and that he cares for you and that he loves you no matter what is going on. But it's all dependent on a relationship with Jesus. In Jesus, there is peace. In knowing God, there is peace. And that is what we see in Daniel's time in the lion's den. Let's read on. Verse 24. It says, At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. I want to pause here and just make a couple of comments on this verse because I I think when we read this verse, uh, it can be troubling, and it it should be. First of all, this verse proves that it was God who saved Daniel. These lions weren't just full. They didn't have a bad case of acid indigestion, so they weren't eating. No, they were clearly very much hungry lions, and God had miraculously provided and protected Daniel. Secondly, at first we we see the justice of of throwing these evildoers to the lions, and and we're mostly okay with that. But it is troubling to read that their wives and their children were thrown in as well. And again, that should be troubling, but we must make sure that when we read this, we don't attribute that to God. 
Nowhere does it say God told Darius to throw the entire family into the lion's den. But instead, this is the work of an enraged king who at best is just learning of and beginning a relationship with the one true God. This culture which punished the guilty's family alongside the guilty, or this was a culture that, that punished uh, the, the guilty's family alongside the guilty in extreme cases. When we read of God in the Bible, we read of love and grace and abundant forgiveness. And so when we read this verse, this is not the work of God, but the work of the king. And it is safe to assume this decision greatly grieved the heart of God. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I, Darius, issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. What an incredible declaration about the truth and character of God from a king that was, uh, that was far from God. And again, as we've seen throughout the story, the story of Daniel, the, the book of Daniel, is that God uses the faith of Daniel, the faith of his followers, to lead others to knowledge, faith, and understanding of who God is. God uses the faith, the obedience of his followers, to reveal himself to those far from him. And that's our next point. God desires to use our lives to reveal himself to others. This is the pattern of the book of Daniel. This is the pattern of how God desires to use his followers, use his church to shine in this world for him. God desires to use our lives, the way we live, the way we work, the way we talk, the way we respond, the way we love, the way we give, the way we share to point others to him. And it is ultimately through our lives that we have the opportunity to show and reveal God to the world around us. We've said this before, but for many of the people around us, they will never open a Bible. But instead, their understanding of God, of church, of Christianity comes from the character they see revealed in yours and my life. And our prayer is that our lives would be, a, would be fragrant and they would point people of Jesus to hope to the Bible. And for many people, they're going to have to see the difference God has made in our life before they ever show up at church or they ever open the Bible. They need to see God's character lived out in your life. They need to see you love, respond, forgive, and live differently than everyone else. And that's exactly what happens here. When the king throws Daniel into the lion's den, he says, May your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Your God whom you serve continually. Daniel wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a missionary. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a religious leader. But he served God continually, and everyone around him knew of his faith. And because of that, many came to faith in God through the example they saw in Daniel. If we want to shine in Babylon, in our world, then we have to be people that live out our faith continually in our lives. And here's the beauty of this. When we live out our faith, God will use it to draw people to him. Think about Daniel's life. He served 60 years in the government. Yet he lived for God and many were influenced and came to faith. And what this means is you don't have to quit your job and become a pastor, a missionary, or a missionary to make a difference. There are some that God calls to that, but for most of us, we, like Daniel, are just called to live out our faith where God has placed us, in the jobs God has placed us in, in the neighborhoods God has placed us in, and he will bless that and use it for his glory and the good of others. Be encouraged by this. Daniel served for 60 years in a government that was hostile to his faith. They've tried to kill him and kick him out multiple times. 
A government that was evil in its actions. A government that was filled with sin and debauchery. And yet in that hostile, secular environment, he lived out his faith continually and God blessed it, honored it, and used it for his glory. This means that you can be a man or a woman of faith, a committed follower of Jesus, right where God has placed you. And he will use your faith and obedience for his glory. He will use your faith and obedience to make an eternal difference. You don't have to work at a Christian school, a Christian office, a Christian ministry, a Christian clinic, a Christian city to make a difference. No, God desires to use you right where he has you. And he will bless your faithfulness just like he did Daniel's. Because here's the deal. Your story, my story, and Daniel's story is not so much about us, but it's all about God. Our salvation, our provision, our life ought to be not so much about us, but all about God and pointing others to him. And that's one of the things I love so much about the Old Testament. The story of Daniel provides a great example of what it looks like to live out our faith in a, in a, in a foreign culture. But the ultimate thing that the book of Daniel does is it points us to the Savior that was to come, and that's Jesus. One of the greatest blessings to come from Daniel 6 is to see the story unfold and point to Jesus. I mean, just consider the story of Daniel 6. A man without blame, faithful to God in all of his ways. A man noted for prayer was sent to his death because of the jealousy of those who wanted to prevent his exaltation. He was condemned to death by the plotting of his enemies and the law of the land, and he was thrown into a stone room meant to be his tomb. A stone was rolled over the opening, but in all of its power and ferocity, death could not touch him. On a morning, the stone was rolled away, and he came out victoriously. He glorified God. The lost gave honor to God, and his enemies were judged. Does that story sound familiar? Jesus was a greater Daniel. Daniel went to the lion's den and was saved by God. Jesus went to the cross not to be saved, but to willingly give his life as a sacrifice for you and I. And then he rose from the grave three days later, victorious over death once and for all. Psalm 22, which Jesus quoted from the cross, uh, says that Jesus was thrown to the lions of judgment, which encircled him, taunted him, and then tore him apart. Jesus was far more innocent than, than Daniel ever was, yet Jesus willingly surrendered his life for you and I. Unlike with Daniel, no angel came to stand by him and shut the lion's mouth. Theologian Sal, Sally Lloyd-Jones said, Jesus was left in the blackness utterly alone and abandoned by God. Suffering the fate that we, the guilty, deserved. God did not shut the mouths of Jesus' lions like he did Daniel's, but he let them tear him apart. His body was left entombed in the icy grip of death for three days before the angel came to roll away his stone. And all that time he was bearing our sin. He went to the pit for me. And that's where Jesus and Daniel are different. She continues, when Daniel came forth from the lion's den, he came out alone and no one else was saved by God's deliverance of him. But when Jesus came forth from the tomb, he came out as the head of a mighty company of people who have been redeemed from the pit through his death. Because of the work of Jesus on the behalf of his people, the divine judge says, not guilty, you may go free. Daniel and the lion's den is a remarkable story of faith. But Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb is a remarkable story of life, of forgiveness, of restoration, of redemption, of hope to any and to all that will put their faith in him. And it is that faith in Jesus, that new life in Jesus, that confidence in Jesus that gives us the courage today to live out our faith and point people to him in our Babylon. 
But it's all contingent on Jesus. It's all contingent on our relationship with him. Because if I know that, and, and I know Jesus has taken him into himself all that my sin deserved, then there is no more condemnation for me. And that means that in whatever I'm going through, I can know that God is with me, that he is standing beside me. Because anything that would have turned God against me, Jesus took on the cross. And then if God is for me, who can be against me, the Bible says. If the Lord is my strength and my shield and my light and my salvation, whom shall I be afraid? That's the hope of the gospel. I don't have to be afraid of those who kill the body because I have a God that preserves my soul. That God is with me. That God is with me in cancer. He is with me when death takes a family member. He is with me when I am betrayed and when I feel the sting of injustice. He is with me in every struggle I have. He is with me in frustration and failure. He promises never to leave me or forsake me. He promises to overcome through me. And he whispers, greater is he that is in you than anything or anyone in this world. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus is the hero of my life. Jesus is the savior of the world. And so the question for us as we wrap up is, have you found your life, your future, your forgiveness in him? Melinda's going to come, and as she comes, that is the question to answer and wrestle with today. Have you found your life, your future, your forgiveness in Jesus? And so first, if you're here and you're unsure if you've ever trusted Jesus with your life and experienced his forgiveness and his grace, then know that he loves you. Know that he gave his life for you. Know that he offers forgiveness to you today. And if you will repent and turn to him today, the Bible says he, uh, he will forgive you. He will make you righteous. He will give you eternal life. He will give you purpose and value. He will give you his peace, which surpasses all circumstances. He promises to be with you and present with you always, even through the ups and the downs of life. So if you don't yet know Jesus, you can trust your life to him today in your seat. Or you can come forward and pray with me or ask your questions. But my encouragement to you today is to resolve your relationship with Jesus before you walk out of this room. You can surrender in your seat. You can come and ask your questions, but don't leave before you've experienced his peace and forgiveness. And if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, would you take some time just to, to remind yourself of the character of God? To remind yourself of your salvation, the confidence and peace you can have in him. Would you remind yourself that he is with you? That he has a purpose and a meaning for your life? That you have a future in him? And then as you are reminded of who God is and what he has done in your life, would you surrender whatever it is you're walking through to him? Would you surrender your future to him? Surrender your trial, your difficulty, your hurt. Surrender your lion's den and rest in your salvation, the peace affords you. Then would you also surrender your future, your life, your family, your workplace. Surrendering to live for him in those environments and not for yourself. Would you surrender living, loving, serving, and giving the way God desires, as opposed to just living the way you desire and for yourself? Would you surrender to not live in the manner that is easiest for you, but that which brings the most praise and glory to him? I'm going to pray for us, and then after I pray, Melinda's going to play. And I'd ask you just to spend a couple minutes with your head bowed, just praying and asking God where he would lead you today. Lord, we thank you so much. Um,
for the faith and the courage of Daniel, the faith and the courage that we've seen modeled throughout this series. And God, I pray that you would call us and lead us to that kind of faith and courage in the world today. God, and we pray that as you did over and over in Daniel, that you would use our faith to draw many to salvation, to hope and life in you. God, ultimately we pray that, that the story doesn't end with Daniel. We thank you that you sent Jesus to do the impossible in our life. You sent Jesus to die the death that my sin and our sin deserved. You sent Jesus to, to go to the grave, uh, but not to stay in the grave, but to rise victorious three days later over li- over de- in life over death. God, we thank you that you offer that life and that forgiveness to, to me and to any and everyone that will turn and trust in you. God, and I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you in that manner, that you would uh, just give them the courage and the faith to step out in obedience and turn and follow you. And God, we thank you that as they do, You are faithful to forgive. You are faithful to grant peace. You are faithful to comfort and to give new life. God, we thank you that you alone can be trusted. We thank you that in you alone life can be found. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Dear Lord, we just again, we thank you for the life and the forgiveness, the joy and the peace that is available in you. God, as we leave this week, may we leave trusting in you. Uh, Would you give us the courage and the faith to surrender whatever it is we're walking through to you. And may we experience your faith uh, and your peace and your comfort in that. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much.